Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the spymaster director of our mystery shopping report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. We're back again to help you navigate that minefield out there and car buying land, car leasing land. Uh, we offer advice and honest advice. Not always right. But we are most of the time, and uh, Sue is also in, Stu is also in charge of our mystery shopping operation, which is a unique thing you won't see anywhere. Well, maybe on you know on, they used to do it on 60 Minutes, uh, and they probably have a few shows. I think NBC TV has done uh, some mystery shopping. CBS does once in a great while, but week after week after week, we've done hundreds, probably thousands of mystery shops of car dealerships all over Florida and even out of state on rare occasion. And uh, we go in undercover, pretend to buy or lease a car. And this is what Stu's in charge of. Stu is our, our cyber master. Uh, he, he has an undercover agent. We have actually two uh, active undercover agents now, uh, one male, one female. We use them alternately. And uh, the female is uh, relatively new on the scene and doing an outstanding job. We haven't had a regular female mystery shopper in a long time. Agent Lightning, we refer to her, and of course Agent Thunder is the male, and we just have a lot of fun with that, and we, it's probably one of the most educational things we do. So uh, uh, I, uh, I hope you will go to EarlOnCars.com, that's our blog, EarlOnCars.com, and you can, you can access uh, the archives for our mystery shopping reports, you can access our good dealer, bad dealer list, uh, there's all sorts of links uh, for information that will make your life easier. You know, if you if you buy a copy of Consumer Reports or subscribe online to Consumer Reports and you go to EarlOnCars.com, you have all the information. You don't even need this show to get a good deal on a car uh, or to have your car service or maintained, uh, if, you, if that's your question. Uh, we'll get a lot of calls to Rick, and uh, we uh, can actually almost repair your car on the air. Uh, you can shoot us a video, or you shoot us an audio, uh, or you can just subscribe it. Our call-in number is 877-960-9960. It's important that you uh, contact the show. You can do it by a regular telephone, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. That's 772-497. 4976530 and of course your anonymousfeedback.com I say of course if you're new to the show you don't know what I'm talking about but your anonymousfeedback.com is a URL link that you can contact us through and nobody not the CIA not the NSA not the FBI nobody can find you you're anonymous it's like being in the witness protection program so you you can contact us Say anything you want, and I'm kind of I'm half joking now because we get a lot of serious, good feedback. In fact, 
there's some feedback we get. We say, why would they be anonymous on that? Some right. people just like their privacy, right? Well, that's, 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 I've always wondered about that. We have this great platform that allows you to say anything. Yeah. We have no confessions to murders yet. We have, we've had no, yeah. <laughs> like, I was cheating on my wife in my car and it broke down. Rick, what do I do? <laughs> I mean, what's, yeah. everything's pretty innocuous. But, Hide the yeah. evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's, it's weird too, because we have a lot of enemies, don't we? I mean, we, the car dealers don't like us. And uh, a lot of the employees of dealerships, I mean, they're very resentful, especially with the mystery shopping reports, because we name names and we name sales managers, salesmen, car dealerships, and we named the offenses, the things that were done wrong. Of course, we also recognize the good dealers and the things they did right, but you would think some of the dealers that we said broke the law would, well, first of all, you'd think maybe they might sue us. I, I think that the reason we haven't been sued is because of lawyers. I, I, I imagine there are dozens of car dealers out there that were on the phone with the lawyer <laughs> screaming to sue I them. Had, I had thought about that, And yeah. then the lawyer says, okay, we can sue Earl Stewart. I go, are you prepared uh, for discovery when we start uh, you know, bringing out all the uh, evidence <laughs> and the buyer's orders and all the things you do? And, yeah. and they're going to say, you know, on second thought, I'd rather not make that public information. Yeah, if you sue somebody, you have to be ready for the PR, the public publicity. Uh, because, you know, you can video trials now. A jury trial is really risky. Uh, and if you want a lot of conversation about your business, that's a good way to get it. Uh, sue somebody. Or be sued by somebody. Uh, either way, yeah. it's no fun. So, uh, also, I, I got, Nancy Stewart, as I say, is out. Uh, and she's uh, having a little re uh, recuperation going on with her foot surgery. Uh, but uh, Nancy is our female advocate. Uh, of course, Agent Lightning is also a female advocate our undercover agent, Nancy has uh, is, is built the female following on the show remarkably. And uh, it's been over many years, it's been slow. And uh, we will honor her offer, which she makes every week, for the first new female caller. First new female caller. We have first two. First two, I'm sorry. First two. Yeah. We're, we're very generous. 50 bucks. That's right, you heard me. If you're female and you haven't called the show before and you call the show, you get $50 unconditionally. We send you the money. Uh, you don't even have to ask a question if you don't want to, but we'd like you to. And if you're a new female caller, $50 for the first two. So if you've already called the show, you know, call a friend, call a relative female. Say, if you haven't called her all on cars, guess what? You can make 50 bucks. Why do we do that? Because people that call usually call again. And we have a female following, probably un unlike any show of this type. Uh, that uh, that call in regularly. We appreciate all you ladies out there because let's face it, I, I, this isn't politically incorrect, is it? Men and women are different, and men and women think differently, and they act differently, and they expect things differently. Uh, uh, women, when they're buying cars, they buy them differently, and the car dealerships are old boys' clubs. Even today, you look at any car dealership or auto manufacturer, for that matter. And you're looking at 90% male and 10% female. Now, why should that be when 50% of the buyers are female? So, you ladies out there, call the show, 877-960-9960. First time caller, first two female callers, first time, 50 bucks cash. Pretty good deal. Uh, let's see here, where should we go? Uh, you want to start out with some text or YouTubes, or do we have anybody contacting the show yeah. now? Yeah, well, we could start off with uh, our... Uh, with Anne-Marie. We, oh. we have a text waiting for us. Fantastic. Actually, it just came in right when we started. Um, Motorious. Not Notorious. It's Motorious with an M. Um, Motorious has a story about C8 Corvettes falling off lifts. 
and getting totaled in dealer service departments. The story says that this is likely due to staff being used to, uh, used to the front engine designs of the C6, being used to the, the front engine designs of the C6 and the C7. Ah. C8 Corvettes have the powertrain pushed further back. They're, they're mid-engines, aren't they, the new ones? C8, I believe, is mid-engine, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have the powertrain pushed further back. This changes the weight distribution, which in turn requires unique lifting points for these cars. Since Corvettes are not the only vehicles that are subject to the laws of gravity, I can't help but wonder. One, what happens when the vehicle falls off a lift? <laughs> Two, what does a dealership do in a case like this? And three, what should be done when a vehicle falls off the lift in order to make things right? It's a great question. This is Rick is an, can answer this thing. I go, but it's, it's an example of all sorts of things that can go wrong with your car by mistake at a car dealership because yeah. accidents happen. Yeah. We set a car on fire uh, a few weeks ago. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, things happen. Well, my Pontiac dealership burned down right. because we had a car up on the lift and it was leaking gasoline and static electricity ignited it and the whole damn dealership burned down. <laughs> so what do so, you do with something like that? Great question, Emory. Well, uh, first we panic. <laughs> Everybody was screaming. You right. all scream, yeah. and then you run. The, the question is, if it does, it, we number one, we check under the car to make sure there's not a technician underneath the car. All right. First thing, yeah, okay. we make sure everyone's safe because yeah, uh, I have not seen a car actually fall completely off a lift, but I have seen some cars come close. We've had some very loud noises happen in the shop, <laughs> and a lot of guys come running and make sure everyone's okay and safe first. Hey. Rookie technician. Not always, believe it or not, even even some of the don't veterans. Name, don't name any names. Uh, but <laughs> I, I will freely admit, I actually had a, a forerunner once that I didn't get the lift set quite right. Ooh. And the lifting piece that we used that, that folds up to get under fell down. And when it did, the car dropped a bit and it damaged one of the running boards. Oh, boy. Um, that's the worst one I've had. So you hear it right here. Honesty and transparency. Here we are. A technician admitting that he made a mistake. 25 years experience, and yeah, I, I yeah. still I make mistakes. And you know that's the amazing thing. You know, you know, every business makes mistakes. And all you car dealers out there, listen. Instead of lying to your customers, say, "Look, yeah, we make mistakes. Admit it, because they know you do anyway." We're, and we're then humans. apologize and make it right, and they love you more than if you never made the mistake. Yeah, we're we're human beings. We're gonna make mistakes. That's exactly. that's part of life. Yeah. And so you simply correct it. You apologize, you correct it, you yeah. move on, you know, and you learn from it, turning it into a learning experience. Hopefully others learn from it as well. Yeah. For example, we have uh, increased the distance between any welding can be near uh, another vehicle. <laughs> yep. We had it, that, that happened uh, a month and a half ago, I, th I think uh, a spark from a welding um, managed to go further than anybody thought, landing the car, and it was enough to ignite some of the plastic material, and the car wound up in a big insurance job, and yeah. we did the right thing, we apologized to the customer, um, we um, used his insurance settlement and got him a car at no cost. And um, but yeah, these things can happen, and it is a dangerous place in the car dealership. We take it for advantage. It's car dealers have insurance, and yeah. that's one of the reasons. And you should have insurance too, which would cover you. But yeah, mm -hmm. double coverage. Yeah. So um, generally speaking, the safest part of a car dealership has always been in the showroom <laughs> because there's some serious work going on in body shops and service departments, uh, car washes. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of of, yeah. of dangers there. You don't think about it a lot. Though. If you go online and search for photos, there are some horrifying pictures out there of cars that have fallen off of lifts. And I mean, it looks like the, I, I've even seen one recently where the actual body of the vehicle separated from the frame of the car, <laughs> oh, from man. the frame of a truck actually. Well, I sent, I sent Jonathan just, the, the, oh, the terrifying. Sent Jonathan the link that Anne Marie sent. Uh, so it's got pictures of Corvettes that have fallen off lifts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if he's- Well, and that's, to... the center of gravity is wrong. Yeah. Um, 
As a matter of fact, we've actually had customers that we've had to ask them to take their, their pickup the and actually go and unload the bed of their truck because they had so much stuff in the back of the truck, we could not safely lift it because the center of gravity was so far back, yeah. it would it'd fall off the lift. You know, I forgot to mention that we're on YouTube and uh, we're on Twitter. And I keep thinking about the telephone and the text, but uh, youtube.com forward slash Earl on Cars, and we've got facebook.com forward slash Earl on Cars. And uh, you can watch us in living color. It's not as nice a show because Nancy Stewart, uh, our co-host, is uh, recuperating from uh, minor surgery. But uh, you ladies out there, don't forget to call. We, uh, I'm going to feel like we're letting Nancy down if we don't have some female calls out there. We've got a female texter, Anne-Marie Delgado, who is one of our most reliable sources of information, one of the smartest ladies I've ever met. And she's a regular caller, and we're very fortunate to have her. Uh, any more text uh, we got? Mm -hmm. Got a couple of YouTube, so go ahead. Oh, right. YouTube. Uh, Ernesto is asking, how reliable is a dealership pre-purchase inspection? Example, I find a used Toyota RAV4 at a Honda dealership. Is it better to take it to a Toyota dealership for the inspection or better to go to an independent mechanic for an inspection? It's not so. I mean, ideally, you could you could take it to a Toyota dealership uh, for a little for better, but you know, to check up, uh, I assume you're talking about a used car, mm -hmm. and uh, any reliable technician can check over a used car. You just want to be sure you have a reliable uh, source. Uh, but you, you raise a good point. The average car that you buy at a car dealership, that you a used car, uh, is uh, has a checklist. They all have checklists, and it's, you know, some of them are you know 20s, 350. They say, you know, we have a gold check, we have a platinum check, we check everything. Well. They got a guy working to check these cars that's probably at the bottom of the pecking order as far as technician goes. I mean, the person that checks used cars is not going to be the top technician in the dealership. Might even be a starting position for people. Also, it's a volume operation because if a dealership's selling 100 cars a month, they're probably checking uh, 200 or 300 cars, and it's like an assembly line thing. You do a lot of it. And uh, you've all seen check sheets. I, you know, you should, this is a blank sheet, but you, know, you got item after item after item after item. And the thing I always say, when you see the checks aren't individually checked, and you know, so they draw the line through it like that, that's a red flag. Uh, so sometimes they're not carefully checked. I would always take a car that I was buying from dealer A to an independent or to another dealer and with a good mechanic, and I'd pay him, check yep. this car for me. Then you're pretty sure they really checked it out. And we're going to go to John in West Palm Beach now. Caller. Oh, hey, John. Hey, hello. Uh, the um, shop story thing, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say anything uh, until something reminded me. I believe uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking, and someone mentioned something about spontaneous combustion. Uh, I don't know what it's about. Uh, anyway, I was working in the shop. I was working. I had my transmission pulled out of my GTO. I was cleaning it with a cleaning solution. I think it was a paint thinner. It's on the floor. We're right near the drain. About 150 feet across the shop, there was a guy welding. Well, the fumes were going through the drain in the floor all the way to the other end of the shop. He, he was welding a spark went. The spark ignited the fumes within the drainage system of the shop. It went all the way across the floor and caught my hand and my leg on fire. Wow. And the gloves and...
and, and then after that, whenever we had to clean parts, they allowed us to use the paint from this because they had the ventilation system to clean parts there and just make sure we didn't make a mess. And, uh, you know, the vents the vent that stuff out, uh, you know, the, the fumes out of the shock, you know. Because, like I said, you know, a spark 150 feet away, you know, and that was traveling through the, the, uh, that water, the, the vents in the floor for the water. Yep. And that. But, uh, like I said, I was just, I, you know, when, I remember you guys talking about spontaneous combustion. That's, how, that's what had gone through my mind when this occurred. Well, thanks, yeah, Johnson. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's uh, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. Well, oh, it's yeah, it was... proper ventilation is the most important thing in a shop. Yeah. Well, this was back in the '80s, and we weren't so much. Uh, they were there. OSHA was working in that at the time, but you know, not as not as heavy duty as it is today, and uh, and everything that you guys have to go through, and you know, as far as you know, conducting a business and all the safety precautions. And, yeah. It's, it's, well, thank you, John. Like I said, just a simple cleaning part, you know. Absolutely. Part, you yep. Well, th thank you, John. You're a good caller. I appreciate that. I hope you call again. And uh, that was a very good, uh, informative call to a lot of people out there. Safety is, uh, is a, a lot more developed today than it was then. When I, my Pontiac dealership burned down, that was like in the late 50s. And uh, that was a scary. In fact, that was in the early 50s because I was just a kid. And... Uh, is a wooden dealership. Of course, we don't build things out of wood anymore, and uh, I'm sure we have a, a lot better fire precautions than we do. But the safety precautions today are are uh, a thousand times better than they were back in those days. Absolutely. John, call again. Thank you very much. Thank you. 877-960-9960. We prioritize phone calls because people have to hold, and we only have three or four lines. Don't like people to wait. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate it. You can text something uh, anytime during the week, leave, and we'll get to it eventually. Yeah, we get exactly, yeah, sooner or later. We get to the text, and uh, we also get to the YouTube pretty quick. Yeah. And we get to the, uh, we don't get Twitters anymore, do we? No. Tweets. No. And, uh, you know, I read where they're auctioning off the, the original tweet. Did you hear that? Oh, the, yeah, the mm -hmm. Jack Dorsey's original tweet. And they had, the, the bidding has gone up to $25 million. How does how do you receive a tweet? Is it like a, a screenshot? I can do that. <laughs> yeah, do, they, uh, do they print it on paper signed by Jack Dorsey? I, I guess it must have been. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we do have some text coming in. Um, this one might be a little controversial, but I think it's worth talking about. Steve in West Palm Beach um, texted us. says, hi, Earl. I love the show. Please share your thoughts on the latest news concerning Big Dog Ranch rescue in regards to money allegedly being funneled to Donald Trump and other politicians. Do you feel that's appropriate? Thanks, Stephen West Palm. Well, Dave, I, I, don't, I, I don't believe it in the first place. I've heard that. That's been uh, on the social media. And uh, I, uh, I would find it impossible to believe that there was anything like that done. Uh, they are, uh, they've tried very hard to keep politics out. And uh, I am on the board of directors. In fact, I, I'm, uh, I'm personally liable if that's going on. And I see the financial statements uh, regularly. And I've seen nothing like that. Uh, there's zero political contributions or anything. Now, uh, we, uh, we do have social events at, uh, uh, I say social events, we have fundraisers at uh, Mar-a-Lago, which is, you know, was Donald Trump's uh, home, or uh, it was the White House uh, when he was president uh, office, uh, I guess you call it. And uh, we did pay uh, for the facility, and we made a huge it's a not-for-profit. Not we raised a lot of money for the dogs. In fact, uh, uh, 
a couple of other facilities that might, might have been owned uh, or at least have Trump's name on it. Uh, money was raised. And uh, as I say, I see the financial statements and they go all the money raised. So if you spend uh, X dollars to rent a facility which happens to be owned by Don Trump and you make 10 X dollars in terms of funds and you save uh, thousands of dogs' lives with those funds, to me that's the way to go. So I don't, I don't believe that. But yeah. if uh, it was proven otherwise, then... Uh, yeah, I think what I read, <clears throat> by the way, it sounds exactly what you described was facility was rented or paid for to use for fundraiser. I don't think there was anything about actual payment. So I think Steve might have phrased it wrong, but I can go back and read the article. Yeah. I can tell you, listen, I mean, Lori Simmons, who started it, has done an, a, an amazing thing. And her, her political uh, preferences are very public. Um, but we focus on the good that Big Dog Ranch Rescue is doing. Like I said, just because we're in the heads, you know, we know people make, make public statements. doesn't mean that the work they're doing isn't incredible. And yeah. that's what that's what we we're focusing on. And I can tell you, for anybody who knows me, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to, I don't want to, you know, my sensibilities. I'm okay supporting this journey because this, they're doing amazing good, better than anybody in the whole I think I think it was, uh, it was somebody, uh, Dillinger, or one of the famous bank robbers, asked, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. And uh, why do we uh, have fundraisers in Mar-a-Lago and Palm Beach? Because that's where the money is. Yep. And some very wealthy people over there are very generous. You might not like rich folks, but uh, they do have a lot of money. And when they give it to the dogs uh, to save the dogs' lives, give it to Big Dog Ranch, and we raise millions of dollars uh, by having uh, these sorts of affairs. I don't particularly like those affairs. I don't, I don't go to the to the ladies' wine and dine fundraisers at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, neither does Nancy, but that's just the way we are. But they got a lot of people with a lot of money that give our dogs a lot of support, and that's the reason we have uh, fundraisers at uh, nice places in Palm Beach. That's right. Go where the money is. Go where the money is. No, we're not dumb. All right, we have a text from Dax in, out in California. It's a, a new, new texter. It says, hello, I try to catch your live stream every Saturday on YouTube. Um, but I always miss it, so I just listen later on. My question was asked by Marty, and this was referring to our, our show last week, um, how to get the actual price on which the invoice doesn't show on an invoice that shows holdback on floor plan or advertising. You mentioned asking the dealer how much discount will be given on based on MSRP. Does the discount given by the dealer, um, um, this is kind of difficult to read, I'll just read it. Does, does the discount given by the dealer, should I ask for the detail discount what qualifies me? What, in your experience, should I be looking uh, into in the dealer maximum discount on the document? Uh, my daughter asked me to help her negotiate her first vehicle. Target date is June of 2021. Apologize for the long text, but would great, would the help is greatly appreciated. And that's Dax in California. So well, I think uh, the main question well, is just yeah. Let me just say this, and you explain. It, uh, but uh, one of the reasons you focus on the MSRP is because that's, uh, that's a standard document. The Moroni label is dictated by law, federal law. Every manufacturer of trucks and cars in the United States has to have that. So there's a uniformity uh, with invoices. Every manufacturer has a different type of invoice for his dealer. And you know we can read the invoice on a Toyota because we are a Toyota dealer. But Honda would be different, General Motors, Chrysler, all the invoices are different. And they're, they're very deceptive documents. They're not, first of all, the name is a lie. The invoice is not an invoice. Uh, an invoice is something that you pay for a product, and that's not what you pay. You uh, car dealers pay far less than the invoice they get because they get a lot of money kicked back. So when you start asking about discounts from invoice, 
and invoices, you're 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 asking for trouble. Stick with the MSRP, shop competitive dealers, and then get the maximum discount from MSRP. Yeah, that's all I was I was going to add. <clears throat> I think that there's a lot of unnecessary confusion when people start thinking about what's how to approach it. And we joke around. We said we really don't need a show about how to buy a car. We just have, need to have a statement that says get three bids or more. Yeah. The idea is it's, it's competition is how you get the best price yeah. because the playing field has been so muddled and made so confusing with, with fees and holdbacks. And, 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 and it's totally natural for, the, uh, you know, for DAX to go, should I be focusing on a percentage discount on MSRP or a dollar amount below or above invoice? All that stuff is really kind of meaningless because the car dealers have kind of created a situation that makes it impossible to navigate. So the best thing to do is, is, is use the power of the market and, get, and get, get various bids and work dealers against each other. And then they're still working on the MSRP, the dealers, to deceive you. Our mystery shopping report, you'll hear in the latter part of the show, uh, had uh, you know, a change to the MSRP, to, a change to the Monroney label. And uh, unfortunately, that's not illegal. It should be. Uh, the minority label was established in the United States Senate and the House of Representatives and voted on and became law. And it was passed at the time so that you would have uh, a comparison from uh, three different Chevrolet dealerships. If you went to three different Chevrolet dealerships to buy a Chevrolet, the dealership that gave you the maximum discount would be the best deal. Now. If the Chevrolet dealership has an addendum label, or we call them phony Monroneys, they could give you a bigger discount by artificially marking the MSRP up $2,000. They could discount the car by $2,000, and they're still selling to you at full sticker. So when you're shopping and comparing, be sure you're looking at the real Monroney label, and then compare that, get the maximum discount, and buy your car. Exactly. You got any, any text over there, Rick? I actually have one here from uh, Guy Larrabee, who says, who can you complain to when a Toyota dealer doesn't respond to your concerns? A lot of people. Uh, I'd start with the, uh, with the um, upper management of the Toyota dealership. Uh, chances are you're speaking with a salesman or maybe a sales manager. You got to take it to the top and you do it in writing, email or text. Anything that you have in the way of a conflict with any business, especially a car dealer, now that we have texting and now that we have email and everybody is pretty much able to do that, if not write a letter, be in writing with your specific complaint. Uh, uh, then after that, uh, I would uh, use the 800 number to the manufacturer. If you do that, if it's a Honda dealer, you go to 800 Honda or whatever the number is, and you file your complaint online, and uh, they will notify the upper echelon in that dealership, and they will find out about it. Too often. People are fighting with a salesman. Maybe he promised to give you a, a free loaner every time he came in for service. He doesn't want his boss to find out. So when you ask for the free loaner, they look at you like you don't know what you're talking about. It's because a lower echelon uh, person on the dealership made a promise he couldn't keep. So get through to the upper people. And then your next step after that, then you start to play hardball. Doesn't work with the upper echelon of the dealership management. Doesn't work with the manufacturer the contacting the upper echelon. Then you go to something like the Department of Motor Vehicles. And uh, that's free. You file a complaint with the uh, Florida or the Georgia or wherever you are, Department of Motor Vehicles. That really gets the dealer's attention because they have the power of life and death over a dealer. Florida uh, Department of Motor Vehicles can cancel the dealer's license, can find the dealer, and, and they don't have to go through a judicial process. They just say, the head of the Department of Motor Vehicles says, 
you owe us $5,000 because you've uh, violated the rule, or we're suspending your license for three months, or we're taking your license away. So any dealer gets a letter from the Department of Motor Vehicles, it gets their attention. That's hardball. And then I could go on and on and on. You've got the Attorney General's office. Uh, you've got the floor officer. You've got the Consumer Affairs office. Uh, Better Business Bureau is worthless. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, Google ratings, there's so many different ways you can tech a business that has wronged you. There's almost too many ways. But uh, prioritize, like I said, and you'll, you'll get a result. Hmm. Okay. We'll go back to the text. We have one from, uh, there's no name on it. It says, I'm about to buy a car from Florida Fine Cars. Is this place reputable? I keep hearing about hidden fees after online prices have say, says something else. Should I even bother? Well, that's the beauty of the uh, on, uh, the mystery shopping report and good dealer, bad dealer list.com. I refer to that. And currently, Florida Fine Cars has a D. Um, they did pass, uh, but they have a low score. And I can tell you that um, as of uh, August of 2019, they had an $899 dealer prep fee and a $597 electronic filing fee. Big. So it looks like it's about $1,400 uh, bucks in, in hidden fees that you can expect Florida Flying Cars to add to the advertised price. Um, uh, looking at the, uh, at the Mystery Shopping Report, it wasn't a terrible experience, but we gave them a D for high fees and some uh, some iffy sales tactics. So it's always buyers beware anytime you go to any any car dealership, but certainly Florida Fine Cars may be, uh, be a little bit extra careful when you go in there. Are they, are they a chain? Are they, are they uh, are they more than one location? Uh, there's a, they have a, they have a, uh, a lot on, on Military Trail down on that car road just kind of south of Okeechobee um, or south of Southern. And um, so I'm not sure if it's a, it's a chain. It might be. Um, but I, the only location that I'm aware of is the one in West Palm Beach. Yeah, I think they, they bought a dealership uh, facility, I think, and I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember which one it was. It was one of these guys that moved out uh, um, off that car row, um, you know. Wasn't that the old uh, Saturn dealership in my military? Bed. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. That's what I think, so, yeah. All right, uh, another text here. It says, Toyota is supposedly making an EV announcement on the 17th. Uh, do you think we're finally getting an all-electric car from Toyota? Um, I read about that as well. Um, yeah, I think we are, but not. we're not. I think it's for um, Europe. I, they announced that there's going to be like a small SUV-sized all-electric vehicle yeah. uh, for the European market, and that's probably what this is, but we'll, we'll find out. Uh, we talked about it on the show a lot. I mean, Toyota, for its reputation as being an innovator and all that, is kind of behind the, uh, uh, the times on the electric vehicle development. And, um, but we will see some from, from all of them. This is inev inevitable, um, and that's going to happen with any manufacturer. Some will be uh, trailblazers, and some will be playing catch-up. And in this case... But it's playing a little catch-up. Good news is they got a ton of money and the ability to catch up pretty fast. So hopefully we will see it in the states soon. Yeah, it's just uh, it's almost like uh, batteries. I mean, it's uh, you can talk about cars, but uh, the the name of the game when it comes to electric cars is having the battery, uh, the right battery. And if you have, uh, you got to get the cost down, and you got to get the range up, and uh, you got to get the the life of the battery. The life of the battery is already Tesla's advertising a million uh, miles. Uh, so that's a lot of miles <laughs> yeah. know, to put on the battery. So it's, uh, it's everybody's going to be there, and Toyota will be one of the players, and uh, but also will be, will be some of the people that you don't expect. People you never even heard of. Yeah. Which leads us to our next text, which is like we have electric vehicles on the mind. <clears throat> have you heard of the new electric truck startup Canoe? Um, yeah, there is a whole bunch of them. It's starting to getting it's getting confusing now. There's Revon, which is the truck that's supposed to compete with the Tesla truck. And um, read an article about Canoe. It's a 
cool looking. Is that, is that like a canoe? It's spelled differently. It's like C-A-N-O-O or C-A-N-N-O-O, uh -huh. like canoe. It's, it's kind of a cute little name. Yeah. And um, it's a pretty neat uh, looking truck. It looks like the, the bed, the sides fold down to make a, turn it into a flat bed. Um, it's, it's really neat looking. I, I'm, I'm really excited imagining what the roads are going to look like um, you know, in five years or three years even because these things are going to start coming to market, especially these startups. Like, you know, you know, we all know Tesla and we, all, we know all the big manufacturers, but some of these little ones are going to start making their way on the road and who knows which ones will become big. Well, trucks, you know, you can see where trucks are natural. First of all, size is a factor that they can carry a huge battery. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, and, uh, and they go long uh, distances uh, you know, not stop and go, stop and go. And uh, I, I think we're going to see almost 100% electric trucks before we see almost 100% electric cars. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be, I've been doing a lot of traveling on the turnpike, unfortunately, because I've been going to Cleveland Clinic with uh, Nancy's foot and uh, Sawgrass Expressway and the Florida Turnpike. And the amount of trucks that we see today during the pandemic, is, you know, I haven't been on the highway a lot, yes. Yeah, so that's that's the canoe truck. The canoe, yeah. That's yeah, cute. <laughs> so uh, know, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to. I think you're going to see a whole bunch of them out there. Is my point. Yeah. I'm going to get one. Electric truck. Yeah. Got to get one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, somebody was listening to our conversation about um, static electricity sparks and the Pontiac burning, Pontiac dealership burning down. It says, how seriously should I take warnings about turning off my car's engine and not using my iPhone while I gas up at the service station? Well, for, first off, always shut your engine off when you're refueling. You can cause a check engine light, which is a minor thing. But shutting the engine off, most important, because gasoline fumes are heavier than air. They will sink and travel along the ground. So if you've got a hot exhaust, a little bit of a spark or some other ignition source that hits those fumes, boom, you could have a quick fire. So it's always a very, very good idea. Shut the engine off. I never, I never thought about that. So the, the gasoline vapor actually settles to the ground. Yep. Oh, wow. Now, as for the cell phones, um, I think Mythbusters pretty well solved it. Now, it's almost impossible to cause a fire with a cell phone. But you got the lithium battery in the cell phone, so that yep. might be a factor. And that, it would, that would be an independent event from electric electricity. Right. Now, the real thing to be concerned about, and this you'll see a lot of people do this. They'll put the pump in the car, start pumping, and then they get back in the car and get back out. Now, we don't see it as much here in Florida, but in northern states, especially oh, cold, in the wintertime, yeah. yeah, yeah. when it's very cold and dry, oh, yeah. you'll get that static shock. And if you touch right near the gas door with that static electricity shock, that spark can be enough to very ignite interesting. vapors. I can remember, I just flash back to when I was going to school in Troy, New York, and uh, and 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 I you know and El I was in Elmira where it was really really cold and and uh, boy I tell you when it's ten below and uh, you're you're pumping gas you're going to get back in the car. Yep. But make sure when you get out touch something metal before you get yeah. near the gas filler. Interesting. I know I, I did a vacation out to Las Vegas once and the the desert air out there is so dry. Yeah. Every and you're walking on that carpet everywhere you go. You'd get a, a static shock, that and it just terrified me when I was. Take your finger off. It felt like I hated that. And we'd yeah. go, I'd go to my brothers, and you'd, you'd, you'd shuffle on the carpet and touch them on the back of the neck. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, I missed that. Okay, uh, here's a text. It says uh, KQRS Radio in Minneapolis, Minnesota has a morning show. 
that each week has a guest who is an employee of the Wazler, Walzer Automotive Group of 25 dealerships. Uh, today, he had a few comments about not having dealer fees and how ridiculous it was for a dealer to charge a $900 document fee when all that is involved is to tap two keys on a keyboard to submit all the documents. Uh, great. I'd, I'd love to find the show and listen to the, uh, another car dealer say, preaching the same, mes uh, the same message. Um, the point about the dealer fee is it is a joke about the justifications that are used um, for the dealer fee. Uh, this, this guy says, well, all you have to do is click a couple of buttons to, to submit the paperwork. That's true. But that's not what the dealer fee is really for. <laughs> it's, no, it's not no. really a document fee. It's, it's what the, de the dealer fees, and that's a generic term encompassing just about anything you want to call it. It's a hidden fee. The most accurate name is hidden fee. And the reason dealer fees exist at virtually all dealerships, and I'm so happy to hear one or even a group that doesn't do that, uh, is because they're selling the same product. Think about it. You're a Chevrolet dealer. And your Corvette, your Chevrolet Corvette, is exactly the same as the Corvette dealer sold by six other dealers in your market. They're all selling the same thing. And so well, if you advertise a price, uh, a real price, they're going to buy it from... We have a caller online. Oh. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, no, you. No, there. you did the right thing. Uh, John from Palm City. Good morning, John. Hello, John. Good morning to everyone. Hey, John. You mentioned the coming of the Toyota Electric. Well, anybody that doesn't have an electric vehicle on the workbench will probably go totally out of business. True. Jaguar just recently announced no more gas engine vehicles in the year 2025. Jaguar, by the way, is the one that owns Land Rover. People don't know that. Yeah. But just to mention a few that are already out, you know, there's a company called Lucent Motors. It's a luxury EV. It's the fastest EV in the world. The vehicle's not cheap. The Mustang is out, $43,000. You get a $7,500 credit from the government. The Tesla Model Y is 42000 no credit. Volkswagen has an ID4. Not sure the price on that, but there is a uh, government credit on it. And the best one really is the Chevy. Price-wise, is the Chevy Bolt, which is thirty-five thousand, and there's no credit on that one. And they're coming left and right. Uh, they're having problems because there's shortages of the metals uh, for the batteries. Nickel shortage, the chips are shortage. But here's the proof of really what's coming. United Airlines ordered two hundred airplanes strictly electric those are made by a company called archer aviation is that right i didn't know that 200 it's an actual order that's in you look up archer aviation i don't know if it's a public traded stock or those are the manufacturer of it wow. it's unbelievable this is an actual order that's in so it's it's unbelievable i mean it's it's not only around the corner it's here and like i say if they don't have on their workbench the actual vehicle you know, in almost ready to be produced, the company's not going to be around. How would you feel about uh, flying on a, a battery-powered airplane, John? I, you know, the thought of a battery, you know, I mean, I'm a you know, high-tech guy, but there's something scary about having a battery-powered airplane to me. That'd be kind of neat because it'd be so quiet. Absolutely. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it reminds me of a friend of mine. He's a collector of especially World War II airplanes, and he offered me a ride one that was all rebuilt, uh -huh. I said I'd rather decline on it. I'd yeah. rather go on an antique World War II um, automobile. 
I'm on the ground only, so it breaks down. <laughs> right. but what do we do when we're up there? Look out. <laughs> but here's a major problem that's going on, and people don't even believe this. There are cities that are going to totally ban all automobiles. Totally. Huh. One is, this is right in the plans already. This is a, country, a city I've been in, beautiful city, in 1969. There's 160,000 people. Germany. Heidelberg, Germany. You're kidding. I was in Heidelberg. Vehicles to the future will be allowed in that city. They're making plans with bicycle paths, bridges. Of course, there's a river surrounding around it. And then there's other countries, Germany, Denmark, Ireland, and Britain, that are also planning this. And believe it or not, Heidelberg and Stuttgart, which is the headquarters of uh, Mercedes, they've already banned all the diesels from being registered in this city. So it's unbelievable when you believe that this city of Heidelberg will not allow any automobile, period, whether it's electric or whether it's gas or diesel. Best beer in the world in Heidelberg. Absolutely. I was there for Oktoberfest. Unbelievable. Well, thank you, John. Boy, I tell you, you're a fountain of information. I believe that a city would outlaw all vehicles. Amazing, yeah. I don't even know it's legal, but I guess, you know, in the United States, I don't think you could do that. I mean, maybe. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I agree with you. But they're here, they're coming, and if it's not ready to be made by a manufacturer, they're not going to be here. Well, thank you, John. Thank you very much. You're, you're a great caller and you're a good friend. And, uh, and uh, Nancy and I miss you and uh, wish Nancy a, a quick recovery for me. Regards to Nancy. Hope fast recovery. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, John. Take care. So, speaking of Nancy, uh, I'm feeling guilty about no female callers yet. We've had a female texter. So Nancy's home now and she's going to be scolding me when I get home <laughs> if we don't have a female caller. Now, i got to remind you, 50 bucks to the first two new female callers. I mean, I know I'm a car dealer, but I, trust me when I say this, there's no strings, there's no conditions. If you haven't called yeah. the show before and you're female, yeah. and you call the first two, 50 bucks. We're not, we're not giving out a scratchy lottery ticket that you might be a winner. No. You're guaranteed to win. No, I think probably part of the problem is it's too good to be true. No golden And points. we say on this show, we say, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. Well, there's one exception. 50 bucks to the first two female callers is too good to be true, but it is true. It's too good to be. We said 500,000 to the first two lady callers. I wouldn't believe that. No, I wouldn't believe that. Yeah. I think you could swing 50 bucks, 100 bucks every yeah. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, let me give you the number as long as I'm doing that. I give them the 50 bucks. I forgot about the telephone number. 877-960-9960. Lady callers and male. But the lady callers get 50 bucks if you haven't called the show before. All you got to do is dial 877-960-9960 and say, Hi, I'm a lady. And we send you 50 bucks. Yeah, you don't have to say that exactly. <laughs> well, we don't have a lady caller, but we have Michael from Kentucky. All okay, right. that's good. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. My name is Michael Elliott. I'm trying to buy a 2018 and 19 Pathfinder. And I'm going crazy. <laughs> I bought your book. I really, really enjoyed it. It's giving me courage. My question is, what would it be a good uh, price to accept, out-the-door price to accept, uh, on 2018 and 19 Pathfinder? Here they're running around at $22,000 to 
miles between 25 and 40 miles. I think 40 is a little high. I just need, just need to know what would be a good outdoor price to accept. Where did you start looking? Um, did you start looking for the Pathfinder online? Online, yeah. Okay, good. I don't have a curve. Excuse me. I don't have a curve to go a lot yet. Did you see, were there, uh, were there a few listed, or was it, did you see a lot of them out there, or was it just uh, a couple? Yes, a few. It's a lot. I saw most of them in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm not far from Nashville. Okay. Were you on AutoTrader, uh, Michael? Did you use the AutoTrader source? I went to TrueCar, something called Ed, Edmondson. Edmondson. Yeah. Yeah. You, ought, you ought to use AutoTrader, A-U-T-O-T-R-A-D-E-R.com, and that way you access virtually every pathfinder in the world <laughs> I mean, they have every car dealer has his full inventory on autotrader.com and you can sort by price and you put your year 2018 and uh, you can sort from the lowest price uh, to, to higher prices and of course you have to be aware of hidden fees and when you but you can start that way and then to identify the fact of what the fees are that they're going to add on top of that but I just had a friend of mine uh, bought a vehicle a used car I didn't have one he wanted to buy it from me and uh, he wanted to buy a used car for his son. It was an unusual used car. Can't remember what it was now. And he ended up buying it in Tennessee uh, and had it shipped down. Uh, but uh, you can find any car you're looking for on AutoTrader. You just have to uh, put the zip codes in and move out progressively further from where you live. And then I'll let Stu give you the pricing yeah. information. I'm just looking locally down here. I mean, and it's going to be a little bit different up in your area. Um, but with average miles, you know, if you're considering, you know, 12, 15,000 miles per year average, and I'm not talking about the, uh, the big platinum version, but the, you know, the SVs, like the middle, middle grade versions, looks like they're running around 19,000, being listed for 19,000 um, with about 40, 45,000 miles in here. So that might be a good target um, uh, price to kind of kind of to look at. Plus but tax and tag only. You don't add yeah. anything to that 19,000 except sales tax and license plate, and that's where they get you. Yeah. Uh, they hit the, the, they can put a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars in hidden fees. So uh, if you find a 19,000 dollar Pathfinder, be sure it's out the door plus tax and tag only. Yeah, because we discovered. So you're looking in the Nashville area a couple of weeks ago. We actually did a mystery shop. I don't know if you heard the show then. And uh, I wasn't sure if, uh, if, if dealer fees and hidden fees were that bad up in your neck of the woods. They are. So beware. Just remember, everything you're looking online is going to have probably around $1,000 in extra fees added to it. And uh, then follow our usual prescription, which is find three of them that are really close in miles and trim and everything like that and get bids from each one of them and, and then kind of work those dealers against each other. Let them know, hey, I got a guy down the road has almost the identical Pathfinder to the one you have. It's got a little, bit, you know, a little bit less miles, or whatever the case is, and, and use that to try and get your best price. Okay, okay. I thank you all. Like thank I you, Margo. I really love your book. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. And then the doggies, thank you. You know that uh, what you paid for that book? Did you buy it on Amazon? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, uh, yeah, that 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 went to Big Dog Ranch Rescue, and that's the largest no-kill shelter, one of the largest um, finding of homes for doggies in the United States. And uh, you uh, you contributed when you bought the book, so thank you very much. Okay. Thank, you. thank you, sir. Thank <laughs> you. Bye bye. Okay, eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. We got a male caller there. We need some female callers. Fifty bucks for the first two new female callers. You know, I got to mention this before the show's over. Uh, uh, Nancy and I just got our consumer reports in the mail, 
And this is the, the big issue. This is the annual auto issue. And I'm holding it in my hand if you're on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, it's the April issue. If you don't buy anything from Consumer Reports, uh, buy this as a magazine stand or go online. And uh, you can subscribe online to the whole year. I think it's only it's relatively reasonable. It's cheaper online yeah. than doing the hard, the hard copy. But uh, uh, this baby here has got 260 vehicles rated and reviewed. This is where you start when you're buying a newer used car. I mean, why do I push consumer reports? Because they're beholding to no one, no manufacturer, no dealer, nobody. They won't take any kind of a, a bribe from a vendor. Uh, they will not even allow a vendor to use their name when they advertise. So they are squeaky clean and they're honest and they give you straightforward reports on the on the safety and the even prices of cars. Rick? And we're going to go to Diana from Boynton Beach. Good morning, Diana. Hi, Diana. Good morning. My husband, husband listens to your show on Saturday morning. It's very informative. Thank you. Diana, are you, are you a first-time caller? Yes, I am. $50, $50. Thank you very much for calling. And uh, the person in the control room will get your uh, uh, contact information so we keep it private. And we're going to mail you a check for $50 just for calling the show. Thank you so much. Uh, how can we help you this morning? I want to I'm very interested in an electric car for my next purchase, which is down the road. But I want to get trying to gather as much information as I can. Now, my question is, does an electric car, do I need something installed in my house, in my garage? to have a electric car in my driveway or a garage or whatever to recharge it? Great, great question. Rick, you could probably answer that. Uh, some cars actually do require a special charging station, but most of them now, from what I've been able to find out, actually will charge up on just a 110 outlet. They have, they have their own box that comes with a car that you can plug right into the wall on a 110 outlet. And most of them advertise that they use about the same amount of electricity as leaving a, a lamp turned on. The only advantage to the, to the uh, uh, 240 is it charges faster, but when you go home at, at night, you plug the car in, you get a full charge on 110, and when you're ready to drive it out in the morning, it does need uh, several hours. Uh, you only need the uh, fast charger if you're gonna be running yep. in and out and exhausting your battery, but uh, 110 should be just fine. Yep. And how long would that last approximately? Well, it uh, depends on the car you buy. Uh, they have some Teslas out there that are getting around 350 miles to a charge. And uh, I would say the average is probably pretty close to 300 miles now. Yeah, I think the new Mustang says that with normal driving patterns, they're getting close to 300 miles out of that new EV Mustang. It's better than what I'm getting in my car. <laughs> wow. I have another question. I don't know if you're able to answer this. We live in a community here in Florida, 55 plus. Uh -huh. Now, they are um, if how about electric cars for the condos and things? Well, we wouldn't have, what would they do? Install one station for all of them, and then they charge the number on it, uh, the card? Another great question, because that's the, um, the alternative to having your own personal uh, place where you can charge it, is to have electric vehicle charging stations. And I'm sure you've seen them kind of popping up around town, like in various parking lots. You know, at our dealership, yeah. I think we have like eight, eight of them, anticipating a future demand for these things and um, if you live in a condo maybe that's a good topic to bring up with the condo board you know what's gonna down the road because you might be the first one in your condo to get an EV but you won't be the last one so uh, maybe uh, 
it's something that comes up at a board meeting and maybe the installation of a few EV charging stations. Uh, Great idea. So I, I never thought about that. I live in Condo for many, many years, and that's very, very true. Uh, hopefully, uh, Diana, they're probably already talking about it. If not, you should uh, raise the issue at the next meeting. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we do have some people that have electric cars in the condo, and they are going to the beach where they have a charger. Okay. Oh. It sure would be a lot more convenient to have it in your in your parking garage or in your parking lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're gonna you're gonna pay for it. They'll just increase your H, your uh, your association fee, but uh, hopefully if it gets spread out, it won't be too bad. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your timing. That's what you say as you're continuing your work. Well, thank you, Diane. Spread the word to your female friends that we're uh, proud of our uh, female caller base, and we would like to have more. And you could tell them we still have 50 bucks left. You got the first 50 bucks, and we have another $50. So if you want a friend that needs a little uh, cash for uh, going out to dinner, or maybe you don't go out to dinner, do takeout, and uh, 50 bucks. Okay. Well, keep up with the electronic information because it's really important to that's the way of the future environmentally, too. Yep. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Diana. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, let's, 877-960-9960. Uh, We're doing pretty good now. I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got a couple of YouTubes we can go to real quick. Uh, oh. SSSRCR85 is asking, how long does the battery on a hybrid Highlander last? Hmm. And... Looking at you, Rick. <laughs> yep. For the most part, the hybrid Highlanders seem to have their, their HV, the high-voltage battery, lasting longer than any other model that I've worked on with Toyota. Really? And oh. I've I have honestly worked with Toyota now for 25 years. I was here when the first Priuses came in to the dealerships, and because I have that challenge and I've studied everything I can about them, I seem to get the majority of the hybrid cars with issues. We do a lot of Prius batteries, we do a few Avalons, but there's not a lot of Avalon hybrids because they came out kind of late. The Camrys, we do quite a few, but not near as much as the Prius, because there's so many more of them on the road. But the Highlanders, very rarely do we replace batteries for them. It almost seems like they seem to last longer. So I'm going to say you're good for probably two to 300,000 miles on well, a hybrid Highlander. Folks, remember, you heard it here first at Erlon Cars. I don't even think Toyota knows that, because it's almost counterintuitive. As you say, the Highlander... Uh, was I could think the second vehicle that uh, it was, and so you would think Camry. that the newest vehicles like the Rav hmm. or some of the other more would be a later technology. But I guess what they're doing is they're just putting the technology in the newer Highlanders. And we didn't sell very many Highlanders when they first came out, right? With the battery, so that's very interesting. Yeah. But uh, for, tell for me again, how many how many miles should they look for? I'm thinking you can do at least two hundred thousand miles or more. Yeah, I would, uh, that's, a, that's pretty cool. Now, the, the cool part with the hybrid Highlander, too, is if you're someone that you're going to pull a boat, it makes perfect sense because electric motors develop 100% full torque oh, yeah. the moment you give it power. There's no ramp up, no build up to it. Yeah. So if you need to get a boat moving or pull it up out of the water, oh, yeah. I'd want a vehicle with massive amounts of torque. That's, and that's the reason, what's that's the reason do it. trains are so powerful because they have a. They're electric. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And let's see here. Glenn Schmidt says, Earl, it wasn't John Dillinger that said that's where the money is. <laughs> it was a bank robber by the name of Willie Sutton. Oh, Willie. I, yeah. Yeah, Willie Sutton. I, I love that. I mean, you got to, I wonder if he really said that. Willie, why do you rob banks? Well, that's because that's where the money is. Yeah. He just heard Sir Edmund Hillary mention <laughs> that's, that's why he climbs the mountains and he goes, I got to. 
got, I got a version of that. <laughs> what? Why did you climb that mountain? Because it was there. Exactly. Yeah, because that's where the money was. Okay. <laughs> uh, Donovan Lewis, he, he texted in quite a bit on uh, YouTube here, but he's got some great information here. Uh, he says, the Volkswagen EV, the, uh, the Volkswagen electric car, is around 32500 after the tax credit and is probably one of the better deals. And he says he predicts that by 2025, which is a lot of sources to back this up, there's going to be a significant portion of new cars will be electric, probably over 30%. He says the best-selling Porsche is the electric Taycan yeah. that outsells all their other cars combined. And he says, uh, ah, okay, he says 110 volts is not really good for electric cars. You need a 220 volt installed in the house to make the car properly usable and 220 will charge from zero to 100 percent in about seven hours the 110 is intended mainly for emergency service and a model 3 i'm guessing the tesla with non-long-range battery takes four days to charge on 110 volts really wow so long well, i gave out some good information oh, yeah i'm gonna look that up i know i mean this way i have a uh, the plug-in vehicles um Designed to work with the 110 and like like I have a Prius Prime at home. Right. It, it, it doesn't take that long and it is designed to use. Well, the average the average driver and I'm just going to pull a number out of the ear here, uh, and that lives in, in an urban situation, probably doesn't travel more than 30 or 40 miles a day. Mm -hmm. So why are we talking about uh, if you only get it if you have a car that will get you 300 miles on a full charge, if you have 20 percent that's 60 miles. So you know a 110 would be plenty of time, but I think I said, I misspoke when I said it would give you a complete charge. I think there are some, though, that will uh, get 90% charge on 110 overnight. Maybe not Porsche or, or certain other ones, but the, the, the name of the game is to check with the manufacturer, and each one is going to have a different uh, statistics in terms of what their vehicle will do. Tesla is one of the best, from what I understand, and uh, but you don't need the 240. I, I really think if you're an urban uh, a driver. If you're if you're a long distance driver, forget about it. You better get yourself uh, a 240 volt charger. Yeah. Well, and also you figure people are different. So some folks will run a car until their gas tank is almost totally empty yeah. before they go to the gas station. Yeah. And other folks, as soon as it hits a half a tank, they're going to go to the gas station to fill it up yeah. then. And by the time this whole thing happens with electricity, electric vehicles all over the place, you're going to have vehicles that have a a 500 mile range, not a 300 yeah, mile yeah. range, and maybe even greater. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. It's just, if, if you're able, imagine having a gas station at your house where you could top off every night, and that's it, that's all you're doing is stopping off. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I do a total of about a 20 mile round trip every day, and um, it, that would be perfectly fine. I could get a charge for yeah. probably 10 minutes to get me to work and back. Exactly. Okay, and we're going to go to Kevin in Buffalo, New York. All right. Hope you're staying warm. Good morning, Kevin. Oh, we're warm. Look at Hey, be a lot warmer if Nancy was talking. That's okay. <laughs> Enjoy talking to you guys. You're our sunshine. This is my question, but talking about comments on the uh, electric vehicles, I worked for an agency maybe 20 years ago that when the first RAV4 electric car came out, you barely got 30 miles an hour, uh, 30 miles range with it. And the heater ride was even less. Yeah. Look how the technology has changed with electric vehicles over the years, and it'll still improve. It's very interesting to see. My question is from, uh, I think last week or the week before, you asked, uh, made a comment about uh, headlights and yellowing. You mentioned a place to buy film to put over the headlights to keep them from yellowing. But I didn't take notes very well to find out where you bought that product from. Uh, the, the one that I bought was from a company, I believe it was called uh, 
Nope, nope, this wasn't the one. I beg your pardon. I would have to look that up again. I, I deleted that website because I'd used them just the one time. Um, basically, I just went on to Google and searched for 3M headlight clear film. And okay. then I, I bought it off the internet. But I would highly, after trying to install this film on my headlights myself, even in the shop where I had all my tools and everything, I highly recommend find some place that does like the vinyl wraps or uh, the vinyl stick on like that and have it done by a professional, someone that has experience and knows how to do it because of the contours of most of the headlights, the way they're rounded, you're going to have a real hard time doing it yourself if you don't have the experience and know-how. Kevin, text your, text your text number to our text line, and that'll keep it confidential. It comes to us, and then Rick will send you the name. He'll find that name and, and uh, text it to you. Our text number is 772-497-6530. That's 772-497-6530. You text him uh, your text number, and he'll have it. And then he'll send you that information. I, I just found it. It's clearmask.com. Clearmask.com. Spell it. It's C L E A R M A S K. Clear mask. Okay. Very and good. They, they do the vinyl headlight and they have vinyl pieces for the whole front of your car if you want it. But it's, it's using a 3M, a film made by 3M. And but again, I would highly suggest a professional to do the installation for you. Okay, thanks. What about we have plastic coverings over the bumpers? Is there something that's out there to protect the, the, the coatings on the bumpers? Yeah, I think it's the same manufacturer. I think it's 3M. Yeah. They they do all sorts. They, they do uh, uh, bumper guards. They also do like on the leading edge of the hood, the little the, the leading edge that gets hit with the chip rocks and things like that. And then also little areas like the little cup areas where the door handles are, or if you have a ring or something like that, our watch can scratch the paint. So they have a whole suite of products to, to do it. And the, little, the downside is you can't see it. I mean, it's clear, um, probably not on the, on, the, on the headlights, but up on the hood, you can see the edge where it appears and sometimes can get dirty. Um, but it's, it's, so it's a trade-off. But um, Kevin, we talked last week about being careful when we put coverings over the bumpers because you have sensors there that are now doing safety work where they tell you blind spot, uh, cars approaching, things like that. So anything you get, if you get the manufacturer's version, it's going to take that into consideration. If you don't buy the manufacturer's version, be sure you don't obstruct some sort of a sensor right. on your bumper. Right. Have the pros do it. Now, the, the, uh, that clear mask website has those plastic pieces, the plastic film, literally for, it looks like almost the entire car if you wanted to do that. But do be careful where you might have any sensors. Already, now you brought up sensors. I have a one-year-old car, and I want to talk about reliability. When I took my car in, I wanted the sensors for one of those side alert things were had shorted out. What is the longevity of these new electronic parts? Have you any comment on that part? Uh, we don't see that many issues on Toyotas with them that I personally have worked on. The biggest issue that we see is from impact. You know, a lot of folks, you know, you're, you're in a parking lot, you accidentally bump another car or they bump you. You may not even be in the car, you may not even be aware of it. And the plastic bumpers on most of our newer cars will absorb a, a minor impact. But those little sensors, if they get a good impact at five miles an hour, that may not even leave a mark that you can see, yeah. that can still affect that sensor and mess it up. So 
that's one of the bigger issues. It's so so very expensive the, too. Those yeah, sensors are expensive. A couple hundred dollars. Yeah. It, it's not so much the the reliability of the sensor itself, is the durability factor, and you know whether it gets banged into hard or not. Yeah, that raises another question. I wonder about insurance. But it's probably a good idea to check your insurance coverage, because if you have bumper coverage, I mean, you know, for dings and dents in the bumper. What about that expensive sensor? Will the insurance company cover that? It might be something you want to ask Allstate or State Farm. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the technician stated was a short in it, and that's fine. But what I didn't care about, when they tried charging me for the part, and they finally said, oh, it should be under warranty. So to the listeners, always just check what your bill says. Just don't pay the full fee, whatever they're trying to charge you. Right, yeah, because unless there's impact damage to it that they can see and prove, then it should be covered under warranty. Yeah. My last question is that I don't know why they do this now. I noticed the front headlights are all LED, but when you turn the turn signal on, the daytime running light turns off. What is the reasoning for that? I'm sorry, one more time on that? When you're... With these front headlights, especially the daytime running lights, I know they're all LED, but around here, when you turn on the turn signal, say your right turn signal, the, the right uh, daytime running light will turn off, and I don't know what the reasoning is that for when you're trying to make a turn with the turn signal. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that. A lot of manufacturers have that. I, I don't understand the reasoning unless it's so that the turn signal then is more visible without the LEDs overpowering it. I'll bet that's it. It's I, probably, that would be my guess. Okay. Well, that makes a clear answer. Great question. What is the reliability of these LED uh, headlights now? Uh, LEDs actually have become pretty reliable. They they will last hundreds of thousands of hours. Sounds great. Well, thank you for all the information. Thank you, Kevin. Stay warm in Buffalo. Yeah, 26 degrees right now. We are. <laughs> hey, so I was looking that up. So that is the answer. Um, uh, they basically, it's to make the uh, the signal more visible. That's, that's a common in modern cars. Yeah. I've never noticed it. Pretty cool that our caller just did. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Let's jump over to um, some text here. Uh, this is from Joe, and uh, Joe uh, uh, was listening to our electric vehicle conversation. He says, "What do you make of the argument that because of electric cars, less gas will be sold, and it will be le a lot a loss of taxes to repair the roads?" Well, we just have to address that uh, with more tax. I mean, it'll be they'll have to tax the, uh, the you know to, to compensate for the right. uh, you know changing to. Right. A, was it Will Rogers or, um, um, or Samuel Clemens who said the? Uh, Taxes, death and taxes are only uh, yeah. an inevitable thing. So. Yeah, the only two sure things. All right, so that's what they'll, they'll figure. Don't worry about the roads. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about the politicians <laughs> getting your money. They'll figure it out. Right. Okay, let's see here. Um, let me, let me, let me yeah. mention something I, I made a note to mention this morning because I, I get so many calls about leasing dilemmas, leasing problems. And there's just been a huge surge in leasing, and we won't go into why, but uh, people are just leasing cars more often than they ever had before. And there's a lot of problems when you lease a car. And I, I talked to a young man uh, in Martin County. His father would have read my column and he was, his son got into this dilemma. And so the son called me and I tried to help him. Uh, he didn't notice the fact that he had a 25 cent per mile charge for over mileage at the end of his lease. Uh-oh. <laughs> And he has Chevrolet, has General Motors. So first of all, 25 cents per mile is at the high end, and it's a shame that General Motors charges that much, but they do. And uh, so he has an $8,000 extra charge 
And I'll continue and talk about that, but we have a caller. We prioritize our callers. Rick, who's on the line? We have Patty, first-time caller from Palm Beach Gardens. Wow, Patty, ka-ching, 50 bucks, way to go. Thank you. What's on your mind, Patty? Um, I have a question about the electric warranties for the cars. Uh -huh. uh, the electric cars, the warranties. Are they different from the standard warranty on vehicles? Or are they going to be more? Or are they going to have an extended on the batteries? How is that working? Hmm. Well, I, I tell you, that's, uh, that is an extremely good question. I hate it when people say that on TV all the time. But uh, I'm saying <laughs> now sincerely, because it is a good question. I think, that's a good, I think the answer will evolve. It'll be a competitive situation. Probably Tesla will set uh, the pace, and people will copy Tesla because they're the big uh, electric gun uh, car manufacturer now. And uh, uh, the, the, they should be able to give you a much better warranty on an electric car in general because there's fewer moving parts. Uh, electric motors are far more reliable. Uh, electric motors don't fail. Internal combustion engines with pistons and valves and, and the rest of it I mean, just uh, so many moving parts is this bound, things are going to break and things happen. So an electric uh, vehicle is just a thing of beauty uh, mechanically, and they should last a lot longer. And in fact, the, the, it's the car dealer's worst nightmare because we don't know what we're going to fix uh, when every car is an electric. I mean, just there's nothing going to break. Nothing, you know, eventually everything wears out, right? but you talk about million-mile batteries and things like that. So, mm -hmm. but the, that's a, the good news is the warranty could be much bigger, but you know the funny thing is, uh, car uh, manufacturers don't extend the warranty unless they have to. And they, right. and you have a interesting phenomenon, that a lot of the cars that are least reliable will put a good warranty on it because they have to to sell the car. And then the cars that are highly reliable will have a fairly frugal warranty because they sell the cars without having to give you the warranty. So uh, the, the length of warranty on the car is not necessarily a reflection. In fact, it's almost a negative reflection either way on the, the reliability of the car. But Rick, you had a point. Uh, Donovan just popped in a, a comment here on YouTube. It says, federal regulations says that an electric vehicle battery has to have a warranty for eight years or 100,000 miles minimum. I don't believe that. I don't know if it's a federal regulation or not, but yeah. uh, I do know that Toyota right now, the batteries are, are warrantied for 10 years, 100,000 yeah, miles. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a work in process, Patty. It's a great question. Right. And uh, I think uh, I think it, what's going to happen when electric vehicles become the, the main vehicle on the road, we won't worry about the warranty because they'll all be so good that people will buy a car and they'll keep it for 20 years. And, uh, and, 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 they, and they, you won't have to get fixed. It won't break. It's going to be a miracle car. That electric vehicle car that eventually comes to us uh, in the final version, no such thing, but you know, near the final version will be about as perfect a car as you ever want to consider. Right. Now, I have another question. With that being said about the electric cars lasting longer, do you anticipate the labor rate going up for service? Uh, you know, there, is, this is... Uh, Great question. Yeah, it, well, there is no labor. There is no labor on on electric car. I mean, uh, Rick. I mean, I hate to say this. Rick won't have a job. I mean, yeah. Uh, looking for a new new line of work. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're not talking about tomorrow or the next day. We're talking. Yeah. Rick, Rick will be retired by the time this happens. But 
but right. uh, it's going to happen that you're just not going to have to repair cars anymore. They'll just be there. They'll eventually wear out, or you want another one because you're tired of the color or something like that. But the ultimate uh, right. electric vehicle, you won't ever have to fix. The the main thing you'll have is tires. Yeah, have maybe. To replace the tires. Or maybe they'll have a tire that lasts forever. Could be. Yeah. Mm. Exciting okay. living today, Patty. I tell you what, uh, I'm 80, and I'm so excited about I, uh, the way things have changed in my lifetime. And good Lord, if, if we have the same change in another 80 years, uh, and we'll have far more change. I mean, what's going to happen in the next few years is going to be... Disneyland, it's going to be cool, it's going to be amazing. I mean, life is going to get so much better for everybody. I, 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 you're so, you're so I'm, get, I'm getting giddy. You're so positive. I was thinking what, what, Pat, well, I was thinking what Patty was asking, because we're already seeing seeing this, like what's going to happen is, right now is because cars, forget about electric vehicles, have already become way more reliable. And so there's a huge, right. you know, service departments are not as profitable as it was. There's less things to fix. And that creates a dangerous situation because you get a... a, a uh, a, a desperate situation with <laughs> people who are desperate to sell some service that may not be necessary. So that's another thing to watch out for as cars get better right. and better. Right. Well, Patty, thank you so much. I, I can't tell oh, you how much I appreciate your call. Will you please call again uh, sometime yeah. in the next week, preferably, but anytime you can call and spread the word with your lady friends. And uh, we're out of fifty dollars. You get you got the last fifty. We've already given out okay. the first fifty. And if your your friends call next week. Get in early and uh, make a, a quick 50 bucks and make Nancy happy. <laughs> yes, yes, I will. I'll tell them. Thank you, Patty. Really Thank appreciate you. it. Bye-bye. Yes. Okay, folks, this is very exciting. Nancy will be proud of me. See what you're, <laughs> yeah. you're doing our job for. 877-960-9960 or text us at 772-497-6530. What do we got? We got some texts. Um, so th oh, wait, wait a minute. I was in the middle of a thing about leasing. Yeah. And, and this uh, victim. Uh, okay, I'm going to interrupt you again. Uh, we've I got love it. Alan in Orlando. Hello, Hello Alan. Alan. Hello. Hello, Alan. Yeah, I got a question. Uh, all these new cars now come with uh, turbo flow uh, engines, which are requiring uh, 93 octane, which is today is getting well over $4 a gallon. Are we still getting a uh, good? Uh, gas mileage, like uh, better than when we uh, had the, the regular gas engines. I think so, Rick. What do you say? Uh, I haven't really seen too many in the way of turbos because right now Toyota's not making cars with turbochargers. I got one, but I know they're coming. <laughs> um, so you know, I'm going to wait to see you know what their requirements are for fuel. But if they're requiring 93, you know, you may need to run it. However, yeah. the, the cool part is that the turbos, the turbocharged V6s and turbocharged four-cylinders are actually producing the amount of power that V8s used to produce and doing so at a much lighter weight. So that trade-off is that you are going to get better fuel economy by dropping so much of the weight off of that big, big old engine you used to have. My turbo only requires 89. Really? Yep. On the uh, super well, mine, mine requires 93. Alan, does it require it or recommend it? That, the, that word... Mine's required 89. It's a BMW engine. Each time I go to the gas pump, I, you know, the, my blood pressure goes up because <laughs> you know, it's getting over four, four dollars a gallon here. Time oh, to get yeah. an electric vehicle. Well, that's a good question. I'm going to ask Rick this question, and uh, I'm asking it for you too. 
What happens if Alan did use the 89793, and I'm not suggesting that he do this, but what would be the worst case scenario if he were to use the 89? Uh, worst case scenario is increased pre-ignition to the point that it could start to damage the engine. Oh. That's, it's a, that would be the absolute worst case, and it would require like the, the perfect storm of events for that to occur. Yeah, and I, and I got a lease car. I don't want to mess around with that. No, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not suggesting. I'm just uh, hypothetical. Yeah, the, 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 the manual says you run, you know, start pinging, you know, and then bring it in right away. And you're, yeah. and you're, uh, you're you know, when you step on a gas, you're not, you're not going to get the power that you had. I realize that I, I have plenty of power. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm, I'm 84 years old. And I, I got, you know, it's a four-cylinder 2.0 turbocharged. It's a General Motors car, but uh, yeah. it just irks me every time I have to fill it up, even though the tanks now are smaller. And it's still, you know, that pump gets over four dollars a gallon, and it's, it looks like it's going to get worse this year. And you know, you, you're driving a little more now since you know the, the virus is kind of getting down. Sure. So it's just going to cost more money for everybody. Yeah. Know, they, they think they, they're going to be uh, their expenses are going to go down a little bit. They're actually, sure. if they're well, driving, they're going to go up. You're doing you're the right. You're, you're doing the right thing, Alan. I, I, the reason I asked the question is that engineers, automotive, and all engineers tend to uh, air on the conservative side. They'll design something, and uh, we, we find cases where they tell you to use uh, 93 octane, and if you use 89 or even 83, uh, it, the vehicle runs just fine. They, they tend to air on the conservative side, which naturally you would. Uh, you can't hurt yourself, but you cost them, uh, the user more money. And uh, I guess I like to live on the edge a little bit, so I. But I don't recommend you live on the edge. I wouldn't no. want anything to happen no. to your engine. I got, I got, I got one other question. It, it, it involves leasing. You, I, I just heard you a little while ago. You mentioned you're getting a lot of calls or something or problems about leasing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, my last three. Let me ask you this question. My, my main question is, how do I cut my time in the back office? My last three leases have been one-pay leases because I don't like to pay interest, and I've had a problem each time. This is with General Motors. Each time I go into that back office, they kind of give me the blank look when I tell them I'm not paying any interest. I'm not paying that rent charge. Uh -huh. I'm paying I'm paying you one check, and that's it. And they kind of look at me like, you know, I'm talking uh, a foreign language. Yeah. Well, they're so, paid on commission, uh, Alan, and they get a percentage of everything they can sell you that you don't need. And it's an unfortunate fact of life. I, I suggest you find a dealer that uh, I would, I would next time I lease the car, I would just say, look, uh, here's what I want to do, and uh, we're going to do it my way. And do this on the phone or by email. Well, I, I did that the last time. I, I went right to the general manager. Oh, did you? Good I for you. With him. And I, I, I had a very better experience. I only it, it took me only an hour to get out of there. Yeah. My, yeah. my last one uh, three years ago, it took me four hours to get out of that back office. Oh, man. That's, a, that's where they make all their money. That's in the F&I oh, yeah. office. We call it the box, you know, because it's kind of like right. a torture chamber. Right. And that's where they make all their money. So they're going to work you over pretty hard. Okay. Enjoy your show. Thank you, Alan. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Where yeah. are we? We got some text. We got some YouTubes and, 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 and anonymous feedback. Okay. Why don't we start with uh, some text here. This uh, came in a little bit earlier in the show. He's looking to buy a used Lexus. And his question has to do with uh, getting the vehicle inspected because we've talked about bringing it to your own mechanic. Um, he says, what's the best time to get that inspected, before talking numbers or after you've agreed on a price? And then he says, I'm looking to purchase a certified used Lexus. Um, 
is it still ne on a certified car? Is it still necessary to bring it to your mechanic, or should should the dealership's certified inspection be sufficient? So a couple of questions there. First one is when should he bring it to his mechanic for inspection before or after numbers are discussed? Uh, I think uh, before. You, well, I say after the numbers are discussed. I think you want to you want to know what's going to cost first, and then. Uh, be, the last thing you should do is take it to your mechanic. And yes, you should never let the dealer that's selling you the car be the final check on a used car. I mean, uh, I'm not saying they're being dishonest. They could have just made a mistake. Uh, you need somebody that is has your interest at heart. And the car dealer has selling you the car at heart. The guy that you take it to and pay 120 bucks is going to have your interest at heart. In fact, he's going to try to find things that are wrong. And... Uh, if he finds a few things, all you have to do, you can still buy the car, take it back, say, you probably didn't know this, but this has to be fixed, and they fix it for you before you take the car. So that's the one thing I would never not do. I mean, you've got, you got Carfax, uh, you've got uh, uh, Consumer Report. The, the safest thing when you're buying a used car is that independent mechanic that you trust. I don't mean it has to be a not-dealer mechanic, somebody that you know is a good mechanic, and you're going to pay him, and he's going to take care of you. That's the most important thing about the used car. That's right. Well, we got one for Rick here. This is uh, anonymous feedback. It says, the battery light on my 2007 RAV4 flickers while I'm driving on the expressway. And after a few days, the car no longer starts. I put in a new alternator, a new battery, a new relay, but it still does not start. Ugh, please help. Sounds to me like you've got a wiring issue, a loose connection somewhere or a wire. Oh wire possibly starting to break. Um, you'll need to get a mechanic involved that knows how to do electrical really well and understands voltage drops. And now we're going to interrupt to go to Will from Oklahoma. Hello, Will. Can you hear me? Yep, you're on the air. Awesome. Um, so I had a question. Maybe it's a little more uh, financial than technical. Um, I'm in college right now. I'm a junior. Uh, I don't have, I mean, uh, like other college students, I don't have a But uh, luckily, I was, uh, through a connection, I was able to get a 2016 Ford F-150. And um, I'm just curious if, do you think it's worth it, considering that the, the truck is in good condition, um, would it be worth it to keep the truck, or should would it be smarter to sell it and buy something for about half the price and keep the money? Well, you know, I, I think uh, it depends on your financial situation. Uh, you, uh, uh, 2016 is, uh, uh, you're, you're out of warranty now, and uh, if it's well maintained, uh, it's a good truck. It's the number best-selling vehicle in the world. Uh, F-150s are great trucks. Uh, I, I, you know, if you sell it and take the money and keep some, and then buy a lease or expensive car. And uh, you, you could probably find a reliable vehicle. Uh, and I if I were in your shoes and it wasn't a financial necessity for me to raise cash right now, I'd keep that F-150 because it's really a great vehicle. Yeah, okay. That's, um, that's kind of what the um, people had, or people that had asked uh, family kind of said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I just wasn't sure if it was, um, you know, sometimes I just kind of feel like it's um, irresponsible or uh, just weird to have a, a truck worth that much when you have a fraction of that in the bank account. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I uh, you 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 might you might end, but of course, in the long run, a good truck like that 
is going to save you money if you don't have to fix it a lot and you don't have to uh, worry about it. Uh, peace of mind, you're going to college, you're a junior, uh, you got enough problems, at least I did when I was a junior in college, and uh, you, you work hard, you study hard, and uh, you don't want to have to worry about your vehicle. And I'd, I, if, unless I needed the money, I'd, I'd keep that 2016. Okay, awesome. Well, thank, thank you. you for calling Oklahoma. I think I, this is our first call from Oklahoma. I believe so. Thank you very much. I hope you spread the word in Oklahoma, and we'd love to have some yeah. more calls from your part of the country. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let them know. All right, take Thank care. You, Bye -bye. All righty. Uh, we've got, uh, we're getting near the Mystery Shopping Report. Yeah. And uh, Nancy Stewart has not called the show. And, uh, we, and you're probably dozing off, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if uh, you don't call now, we'll be on the Mystery Shopping Report. So give us a call. Well, we've actually just shut the phone lines down oh, for the Mystery Sorry, shop. Nancy. Yep. <laughs> you're out. I'll call Can myself I take a moment, though, to say a quick <laughs> shout out? To a buddy of mine named Rob and his associates at Advanced Auto Parts in Hope Sound. They're listening. They listen every Saturday. Aww. And it's good to know that an auto parts store is listening to us and maybe taking some of our advice and spread it to their customers. Absolutely. You know, I, I, have, I encourage people uh, to find uh, auto parts that are quality and less expensive. And without exception, when you buy a part from a dealer, First of all, the manufacturer overcharges the dealer for the parts, mm -hmm. and then the dealer overcharges you for the parts, so you got a double whammy. And if you do your research and you check uh, uh, reviews and you check uh, for quality, you can usually find a, a, a part at an independent auto show, uh, store that is far less expensive of equal quality than an OEM part. So, you actually have oh, a very... Nancy, Nancy just called me. Somebody take yeah. over. You actually have a pretty good chance of being able to find a part made by the same manufacturer that makes yeah. the factory parts that you can get right from the auto parts store. So say if you're looking for a part for a Toyota that's made by Nipidenzo, you can sometimes find that same part in the auto parts store for about two-thirds the price made exactly by Nipidenzo. It's the same part, just less expensive. I didn't realize that. So they actually buy the, oh yeah, they yeah. buy the, uh, very interesting. I'll tell you what. Yeah, so thanks for listening, and, and uh, you save yourself a ton of money. And what, what's the name of this? Advanced Auto Parts yeah. up in Hope Sound, and it's a fellow by the name of Robert that I've known for many, many years, right. and he and his associates are up there listening to us right now. If you live in that neck of the woods, Hope Sound, Florida, Advanced Auto Parts, Steve Ron, buy your parts there. Don't buy them from the dealer and save some money. Absolutely. All right. Okay, where are we now, Stu? We got. Uh, we'll do a we'll lightning round of, uh, of some of this anonymous feedback. Okay, good. Uh, well, first, we have a we'll finish up the text. This is from Nancy in, in Jupiter, not your Nancy. <laughs> it's got a different phone number. I oh. wondered for a second. Uh, how good is the auto insurance that one may buy to pay for work on any motor or transmission, et cetera, problems? One company advertises quite a, often on TV. I believe, Nancy, you're talking about CarShield. We see the commercials all the time. And it is insurance. Good catch on that. Um, I've looked up a little bit over the, uh, we've seen over the years, we've looked them up. They have mixed reviews online. Um, it is a, um, usually they have a payment plan, a monthly payment plan of 150, 100 bucks a month. So if you're not getting, uh, that can really add up over the course of a year, a couple of years. If you're not getting the benefit of it, it's just an insurance product. And I would be very, 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 very wary of that And um, before you're purchasing. Yeah, I, I, I would not buy an yeah. online 
uh, extended warranty or insurance or whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't buy it. Yeah. I just, it's trouble waiting to happen. Uh, if you're going to buy an extended warranty, I would uh, deal with a reliable source. I would read it carefully. Uh, most of these uh, advertised warranties, you don't know what you buy until you send them the money. And uh, they're not going to send you a copy of the contract, uh, which is absolutely stupid. Yeah. And they'll give you a bunch of general generalities about what it covers, but they won't tell you what it doesn't cover, and that's where you get in trouble. So don't buy online television advertised warranties. I got one in the mail yesterday. Yeah. No, matter what, no matter what Ice-T tells you on TV, yeah. ignore Ice-T. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, uh, now that Ford, this is anonymous feedback, now that Ford has just recalled 2.6 million vehicles for faulty Takata airbags, will you resume the Takata test mystery shops? Yes. Yeah, we will, and uh, I just, uh, I just, <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, I, it's one of the, I've been a car dealer for over 50 years, and one of the most uh, depressing things I've encountered is the way this Takata airbag thing was handled, uh, endangering the public, uh, the lack of concern now, we got the pandemic and the COVID, and a lot of things that need attention are, are not getting the uh, attention paid to. But as an automobile dealer for so many years, to see the way this uh, this Takata airbag recall was handled, I, uh, it's a terrible thing. Uh, I blame the manufacturers, I blame the airbag manufacturers, the auto manufacturers, and the dealers. They're all guilty. And, uh, and our state and federal leaders. Yeah, exactly. So uh, i got to shut up. Uh, I'll be talking for the rest of the show. Uh, in all reality, though, as far as mystery shopping, I, I did look at the uh, what the recall covered. Most of them are pretty old. I think the most recent model is a like 2012. So those are kind of getting harder and harder to find. Yeah. <clears throat> but we'll, we'll search. Uh, we'll search every week, and we see them on a dealer's lot yeah. being sold. They're we'll hard to find, but they're the, the older they are, the, the more worse. dangerous they are. Yeah, that's the, the cruel irony uh, that. Um, only two more anonymous feedback when we get to the mystery shopping report. Okay. Uh, this is, sounds like it's maybe coming from a car dealer. It says, I agree that dealer fees are deceptive in the sense that they are really extra profit added to the advertised price. But what is the alternative? What other industry has an entire economy of parasite industries designed to undercut its prices? No other industry has its pricing and cost structure made so public. Car dealers have no choice but to play this game if they want to earn a profit. Well, I don't like to comment on our dealership, but my answer is that we don't do it, and we sell a lot of cars, and we make a lot of money, and we do it honestly and transparently. So uh, who do you think you're kidding? Try it. Right. Have you tried it? Try not lying to your customer and try not sneaking hidden fees in by rationalizing it by what you just said yeah. and uh, see what happens. Right. And if you don't believe that we don't do it, Mr. Shop, our dealership. We, we put an out-the-door price on the vehicle. We don't add any hidden fees. And if they take our price, they can shop it and find a lower That's price. Right. And they do. We just talked about a, a Toyota dealer at Coconut Creek that beat our price because we gave our out-the-door price. He took it down there. Uh, the customer did. And he got a lower yeah. price at Al Hendrickson Toyota. And it wasn't the end of the world. We all survived. Yeah, we survived. <laughs> but, you know. We laugh about and, it. And the next guy that goes into Al Hendrickson Toyota will get raped and he'll pay uh, $4,000 or $10,000 over sticker. Right. So that's the way the car dealers make their money. If you hard nose and negotiate and get a really good price, they got to make it up. And so the little old lady walks you in. You show weakness, you're, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. And they hey, make, we, we will stipulate the car business is very hard, and it is frustrating. As a dealer, it's a frustrating. It's so yeah. hard. It's, it's, it's brutal competition. But yeah. that the answer isn't to cheat and lie to your customers. I hope that guy's listening. <laughs> Well, guess what? We have one more anonymous feedback, and it's from 
my favorite guy. I don't know who it is, but he, I think it's the same person because he starts every anonymous feedback with, hey, Earl. <laughs> hey, Earl, how come I never see cats in cars while I'm out driving? I see dogs all the time. Because dogs are better. Boom. All right, let's go. Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, the cats are underneath the seat. I mean, cats don't like riding They don't the stick their head out the window. That's an obvious yeah. answer. I can say, oh, seriously, I've had cats and dogs. Every cat I've tried to take in a car ride freaks out and makes horrible noises that don't sound like they belong on this planet. And dogs love car rides, so there you go. And That's you crazy. love cats. I know you I love do. cats because we had cats yeah. when you were a kid. I love all, all animals. Absolutely. Okay. We're ready. Mystery Shopping Report, Alexis upon Beach, an automation dealership. You know, there's a lot of automation dealerships out there. Luxury car dealerships are the ones that don't have to call themselves automation. Right. Uh, the other ones uh, do call themselves automation, but they admit they're automation. I'm not sure why. Lexus of Palm Beach currently has a B on our recommended dealer list. They earned this grade three years ago, shortly after they announced they were adopting one price sales model on their used vehicles. And not to new, but on the used. Now, some Lexus dealers do it on new, too. For example, JM Lexus does it. And Lexus manufacturer recommends that their dealer do one price on new. But I don't know what percentage do. Palm Beach Toyota does not. Uh, anyway, on the Shopping this uh, uh, three years back, we sent an agent uh, P. Agent P. Who's yeah. that? Well, Rick Rick Penn. <laughs> he's not he's not a mystery shopper anymore. We can out him. Okay. To investigate, and we're uh, pleasantly surprised to discover that Lexus of Palm Beach was through the one price process on used cars. Okay. Yes. They, they're not on new, and most Lexus dealers are not. Lexus of Palm Beach is a good company on our recommended dealer list. But the other two Lexus dealers on the list are very well behaved and have the grades to show it for luxury dealers tend to uh, impress like that. I mean, they just, uh, uh, we could ask why, and that would be another show. But they, it is true. Luxury dealers tend to treat the people better. Earl's Tour on Cars typically conducts mystery shops on non-luxury dealerships. We do this because luxury brands represent a lower share of car sales in most markets, and we try to advise the broadest group of consumers that we can. We can help more people by shopping, say, a Ford dealer, because Ford's market share is about 14% of all the manufacturers. That's a big chunk. In contrast, BMW has only about 1.8% of the new vehicle market. And when I read that, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I guess that's accurate, Stu. Yeah. I mean, but every car on the road seems to be BMW around Palm Beach that, County. That, well, that's national. I, I guarantee it's probably in the three three to five range around here. And, cra and every BMW driver is crazy. Not and me. They all And they all drive too fast. And they're all big shots, and they, and they got a lot of money. And I guess that's why, you know, I don't know. No, I, technically, I drive I, I probably offended a lot of people. I, I'm, I'm technically a BMW driver. So. <laughs> In contrast, okay, where are we go. So uh, that's why we're shopping in the luxury dealer. Oh, Infinity only has nine-tenths of one percent of the U.S. market, and I, I believe that. I don't see very many Infinities on the road here, but a lot of BMWs. In South Florida, luxury brands command a larger share of the market than they do nationally. I mean, boy, they really do. Everything's a Mercedes, a BMW, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, what's it, uh, Audis, a lot of Audis. Yeah, tons of Audis. And, uh, and ja Jaguars. Acura. Jaguars, uh, yeah. Oh, Jaguar SUVs. Acura, Acura, Schmacker, uh, they, uh, they call themselves electric car, I guess. <laughs> you call yourself a luxury wow. car? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, we'd be doing our, our listeners a disservice if we did not include luxury dealers among our mystery shopping reports. That's what we're doing. So this is for you, Palm Beach County, all you rich folks out there. This is for you. And, and Beverly Hills. I think we have some, some listeners out there. Yes, that's true. 
We have to acknowledge it's a bit more difficult to investigate a luxury brand. These types of dealerships normally keep a low profile, of course, you know, country club kind of a thing, and are not known for outrageous sales practices or marketing gimmicks. The expectation for luxury dealerships is that they will provide a superior customer experience and offer higher-end amenities uh, to their sales and the customer. I think they have, like, um, Starbucks coffee things and, and uh, you know, yeah. maybe tea and crumpets. And uh, at uh, Land Rover, you could get the tea and crumpets. Of course, we can assume that Lexus of Palm Beach has maintained its consumer-friendly ways, and a lot of things could change in three years. We thought it would be a good idea to subject them to Agent Lightning's uh, treatment. So we gave Agent Lightning her target and told her to do her thing. That's when we just turn her loose and say, uh, go in there just like you were uh, not a mystery shopper. You were just going to buy a car and do what you would normally do. And that's what she did. Uh, I'll be speaking in the first person if I were Agent Lightning, a female. For my first mystery shop of a Lexus dealership, I decided to dress the part and take a nice bag with me. <laughs> it was a coach. I mean, yeah. It was I, a coach I, bag, she told me. I never <laughs> thought about that. I mean, do ladies really, when they dress up, they carry a bag? They carry I a guess. Nice bag. Yeah. They carry, a, when they're not dressed up, they carry a crappy bag. But oh, okay. Well, it was a nice bag. A nice oh, bag. a nice bag. Okay. I see a nice bag. I, I, I it was a coach. Yeah, a coach, maybe, yeah. I arrived at 12.30 p.m. parked, found my way to the showroom entrance. As soon as I walked through the door, I was greeted by Michael, a masked salesman. Who was that masked man? That was a good thing. Remember? I knew that one was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I can't help myself. I was sober. <laughs> Michael welcomed me, asked for my name, and led me to his desk. Once we were seated, he asked for my driver's license. Michael entered, into the, inf uh, entered the info he read. I like this. Uh, Michael entered the info he read for my license into his computer while simultaneously asking me about the Lexus I wanted to buy. It was impressive. Now, I'd like to see that. I, when I saw that, how do you input I'm picturing this. I'm picturing a, a driver's license. So, uh, but how, I, I brought you in today. Yeah, I, I don't know how you do that. I, I couldn't do it. I mean, multitask, I guess. Uh, I told Michael that I was interested in a new 2021 ES350 preferably in a rich, deep blue. He searched his inventory on the computer, announced he had several in Nightfall Micah. Why do they come up with these names? Nightfall Micah? That doesn't, doesn't sound blue to me. No, it sounds blue to me. Uh, the shade <laughs> of, he said, that's the shade of blue you want. I said, I'll believe it when I see it. He asked if I was interested in taking one for a drive, and I replied that I was. He needed my insurance card, and I handed it over. Michael filled out a form labeled Test Drive Agreement, and asked me to, uh, some more questions. He said the ES350 was very well equipped across the board from safety to infotainment. And he wanted to know uh, what features I considered to be the most important. I told him that having the latest safety features was my top consideration. Michael asked me what I hoped to accomplish at the dealership today. I love this. I laughed and I said, I hope to drive home in a new Lexus. Michael laughed too. And we can definitely help you with that, he said. He excused himself to get the keys, returned a few minutes later uh, with his manager, David. David was holding my driver's license. He handed it back to me and told me that the ES350 I wanted was actually parked in the showroom. They needed a few minutes to get it outside from me. I suggested driving another one just like it uh, and joked that I didn't want to put any miles on my new car. Very clever. Michael and David laughed. <laughs> uh, that I should put miles on someone else's car. And I guess they were serious. Michael left to get keys to another vehicle, 
while I inspected the ones in the showroom, the one in the showroom. It had an MSRP of 47235 but there was an addendum. Wow. Dum, da dum, dum. Not something you normally see in a luxury dealership. Yeah. Addendum. And that's a funny Monroni stuck next to the Monroni label. It added another $1,000 for the old appearance package. What a bunch of nonsense that is. Appearance package. And a three-year dent protection program. Boy, do they get you on that, too. That's very profitable. These dent protection programs, they make a ton of money on those. In the appearance package, they make two tons of money. So the $1,000 probably cost them 200 bucks, $800 ka-ching in their pocket on that deal. Dealer list, as you see, and as opposed to MSRP, dealer list. That dealer list is the phony Monroni inclusive, 48233 I met Michael outside just he pulled up in the twin to the ES350 in the showroom. We took a pretty long test drive, nearly 30 minutes. Michael did an excellent job educating me about the features of the car. He focused on safety features, having obviously paid attention to what I told him earlier, which is uh, comforting. I mentioned the addendum items and said I wasn't interested. He's talking about the parents package and the uh, debt protection. I said I, said I wasn't interested. Uh, he said it was a good, great value and it protected my interior from spills and stains. I said my kids were growing, I don't need a drink in my car. Michael said, I'll see what I can do. Back inside and seated at Michael's desk, he wanted to know if I was paying cash, financing, or leasing. There's good reasons for that. I told him I was planning to pay cash, but I would entertain financing if the terms made sense. If you're buying a car, never tell them you're going to pay cash. Let them think they're going to make money on you if you lease or buy, I mean, or, or uh, finance. Uh, he wanted to know how much I would put down if I did finance. I said I put down $5,000. Then Michael spent some time telling me that I should consider getting an extended warranty and going right for the jugular. Make a ton of money on those extended warranties. AutoNation, by the way, leads all auto dealerships in price and finance. So AutoNation sells more warranties than anybody else. They make a ton of money on warranties, and they make a ton of money on financing, and they put their label on it. The AutoNation warranty, and uh, when you go in to buy any car at an AutoNation dealer, watch out for the box, because that's where they make average of over $2,000 on every car. You think you paid too much for the new car? They made, on the average, over $2,000 in the finance office. That means that customer A, they made $4,000. The customer B, they made zero. So it's like Russian roulette when you go into an automation finance and the church department. Uh, he said it was counterintuitive to get a warranty for a new Lexus, considering how reliable they were. But he explained because they were so reliable, the extended warranties were very reasonably priced. Very clever. See, he anticipated what you would say. Yeah, why do I need a warranty on a brand new Lexus? That's what I say to everybody. If you buy a good car, you don't need a warranty. He said, yeah, it is a good car, but boy, have I got a deal on the warranty. Well, I don't want a deal on something I don't need. Right. I mean, it makes sense, and it's true. I mean, if you're going to yeah. get on a Chrysler, it's going to be a more expensive warranty. Exactly, but. exactly. Uh, anyway, uh he said there was a reasonable place. I told him that made sense. I'd consider it. Mike excused himself to get the numbers. And Mike is a quality salesperson, by the way. You'll find this in a luxury car dealership. They get the pick of the cream. They get the cream of the crop. Uh, you go into a Kia dealership, 
On a Nissan dealership, you got a problem. Not so much. <laughs> but they're smooth. Michael's slick, and he knows his product, and he's a good salesman. He returned with a worksheet. The top line was MSRP, 47235 Oops. He took off 1235 labeled AutoNation Savings. And then he took off $1,500 customer rebate. AutoNation price was 44500 Then he added, here we go, 509 for the three-year appearance package, Another 509 for the three year. Oh, they were both 509. Yeah, they, yeah. they increased them by $10. On the denim, it was 499. <laughs> right. This made the vehicle selling price 45518. Which is important to note that the automation price is not the same as the selling price. Yeah, exactly. And it's also important that the selling price is not actually the selling price either. So. Exactly. Yeah, outside of that, it's, right. everything's okay. He had a sales tax, uh, state tired battery fee of $6.50. That's to obfuscate uh, the uh, uh, hidden fees. And a hefty $500 tag registration fee. Here we go. $149 electronic filing fee, hidden fee, and a $799 dealer service fee, hidden fee, out the door, $49.9. Michael said that the, since I had some hesitation about the appearance package, he was able to do a little better on the price to make up for it. He said that since these items are preloaded on the car, this is the very best way not to charge me the full amount. Okay. Michael's good. Michael's slick. He asked if I was satisfied with the final price. I asked if it was still negotiable. Michael laughed. <laughs> Everything is negotiable. I said, well, go back, ask your boss if you could do better. Michael laughed again. Michael laughs a lot, doesn't he? Yeah. He got up and headed back to see the manager. He came back with another manager, not David this time. The new manager didn't mention his name. Not good. First unprofessional thing I've seen at this Lexus dealership. The manager thanked me for coming in, said he'd look forward to doing business with me, and he walked away. Well, that did a lot of good, right? It's like, I need a T.O. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. I was puzzled. We call that a fly-by T.O. Yeah. in the trade, a fly-by. Right. I was fly puzzled to ask Michael if I was able to get any break on the price. Michael said, I'd probably give it a better price when I was ready to discuss financing. <laughs> you better believe it. If we can put you away, if we can lay, a, lay away in the finance department, we'll get we'll a better dollar. deal on the price. Yeah. <laughs> Michael looked very disappointed and learned I wasn't planning to take the car right then. I explained I really needed to go over the proposal with my husband. Michael wanted to tell me what he needed from him uh, and that he would not, what did he give me to buy the car right now? Yeah. The final, go for the jugular. What do I got to do to get the deal now? I told him I had everything I needed other than a little more time to consider things. He asked me to give him a deposit. Boy, a little aggressive for a luxury store. And warned that someone could literally walk in in five minutes after I left and buy it. And I said, they wouldn't be able to get, get, get hold it for me. I said, in that case, I'll buy one of the other four cars you got. They're exactly the same. So. <laughs> it only works if you got one of a kind. Exactly. So uh, there we are. Uh, him a pen. That's a story. We're getting near the thing. Yeah, I got a pink automation pen. That's pretty cheap. You know, for, for, I mean, for, for a luxury car dealership, a lousy plastic pen, I mean, getting something nice. Right. Well, the joke was he gave the, the pen and says, here, you can use this when you sign in. Sign in, yeah. That's a big right. joke, yeah. Right. A pink I hate that pink automation. I don't that, that clashes with the cars, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, we got grades coming in. Um, not too many. We have a, a Linda, uh, very charitable, gives them a D. Normally, she gives them a big fat something. And then Jonathan Wellington gives them a D. And who, we have another D here. Um, and this is from Tom. And Anne-Marie... Um, chimed in. She's gives him a D. Uh, behavior is all too routine in South Florida. Um, I'm going to do a little bit better. I, I'm going I'm to do a C because I think that sounds like average behavior. M maybe not for a luxury car dealership, but for all dealers, pretty typical experience. C yeah. for me. Yeah. 
Burke. We've got uh, Mark Ryan with a D minus. Uh, Tim Gilliland, Snakes Games, C minus. Wayne with a C minus. And for me, uh, I got to drop it down to a D because I, I just see he, he tried to play a few too many games a little too slick. Yeah, and I'm going to give him a C minus. We, we have a good Lexus dealer, a JM Lexus uh, in Coconut Creek that we recommend. And uh, they're. Uh, uh, they're definitely better. I'd give them probably a B or a B plus, and uh, Palm Beach Toyota, I'll give them a, give them a C. I gotta say a C minus. Very good. And uh, that's that's it, and that wraps it up. And yeah. uh, we uh, we hope you enjoyed the show. And we miss Nancy. And we miss Nancy. We'll be back next week. Bye bye everybody. Stay safe out there. <laughs>